0: Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job, and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So, with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do, and more of what you want to do. Tony, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing awesome. I heard that you got some new pets, some furry critters.
0: Uh, Yeah. So we bought this property, and uh, we knew that there were animals in the attic. Uh, It came up in the inspection. Also, you could just see it from the outside. So we had uh, that fixed. The seller fixed it, which I assumed he did wrong, and I I was right. Uh, So we had a pest guy go up there. Uh, and he said it was all good to go, but then when the squirrel, I guess it got warm enough, the squirrel buried their way out of the roof, created a hole that we didn't know about. So about $3,000 later, I have about 25% of a new roof. <laughs> and some How ho- does squirrel damage cost that much money? Uh, because they put a hole in the roof and then it rained, and we basically had all the fascia had to be replaced on uh <laughs> yeah we had to put like 12 squares of roofing up so yeah it was pretty i mean yeah it sucked so the lesson there for me was uh just go up and check the attic yourself you lazy son of a bitch So there you go.
1: What a mess. Well, I got another related thing for you that actually happened to me recently that I didn't remember in our pre-show conference. (laughs) I, I managed a building and an opossum tore a hole off the fascia and was in the walls. And the tenants had consistently heard scratching. Well, somebody went to plug up the hole. They found it. They spent a good bit of time looking for an animal didn't see an animal they plugged up the hole <laughs> and uh guess what's still on the walls probably a whole fam- awesome a family now. so yeah <laughs> <sighs> probably it uh, scratched a hole in the wall to get out yeah so it actually tore open the wall inside of the place um The tenants, like, it wasn't a big enough hole for it to actually escape, so it's just dead in the walls now, Uh. which is uh, Uh. interesting. Apparently it doesn't smell, which is good, but they do have, like, flies, Uh. so we sent them uh, fly traps so that the flies obviously go away. I've had... Animals we, die oh, in my we own need to, property we before. Need to
0: intervene here. And you're only doing that because it's COVID right now and you can't send in an animal tech, right? That's why that's happening.
1: Well, we sent the animal tech to go get the thing, but we have no clue where it is in the walls. Uh, so, I mean, what what are you going to do? Oh my god! Like, how do you, I mean, you can't just tear open all the walls. So this thing's just dead. Like, yeah, I
0: don't know. We, would, we don't know where it is i would put powdered lye down the hole uh, for sure there's no hole the hole is i mean
1: i guess you could but what are you going to do you're going to fill all the walls with lye no cuz <laughs>
0: eventually you're going to have some water and you're going to have a chemical reaction
1: yeah exactly so it's just dead it'll decompose yolo <laughs> cool. i don't know right. um <laughs> i mean if they smell it if they smell it and we can locate it And figure out where it is in the house, then I guess we'll open up the wall and find it. But the only way to find the animal, I mean, I don't have a better solution. The only solution at that point is to, like I said, like tear all the walls apart. Once it got in the wall, it's impossible to know where it is in the house at this point. So that's a mess. We had a similar situation in a chimney before that was pretty easy. Cause they just went in the chimney and removed yeah. to the animal. The flea tenant actually got it. flea. They actually got fleas. Oh, and man. we, we had, we had like bug bombed the apartment before they moved in because, um, there were, there were people who had an animal, like a, a dog. And, uh, they had fleas, but we tore out all the flooring, replaced all the flooring, bug bombed the place, had it treated cleaned it and then what was weird is there were fleas like a few months after these people moved in so we were trying to figure it out because we were like there were fleas once upon a time but we did everything to get rid of them that you can possibly do so we were confused because we were like how did this reoccur but then we found out it was because an opossum was living in the uh the chimney
0: (laughs) which had been closed
1: uh, the top wasn't yeah, well, the bottom to get into the apartment was closed, yeah. but the top was obviously open, yeah. there was no cap, so um that's how the new fleas came in, so it was actually two separate flea <laughs> events, which is cool, <laughs> yeah, um really cool
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, so hopefully you don't have fleas no, you might we've you had, might want to
0: check we've had animal in the chimney, and now we've had squirrel. I believe he's out. We set a peanut butter trap up there, so that'll be uh, my weekend. See if I officially have a real pet.
1: You don't have, you don't have actual, uh, you don't have, like, real pets that you like, right? <laughs> I mean,
0: uh, not currently, but we always grew up with pets. Dogs.
1: Okay, does your neighbor have pets? No. Best stuff ever is that peanut butter smelling brick of poison. That stuff is, like, the best. Oh, okay. Uh, unless you're humane trapping it. I don't know. We are humane trapping, but that's mostly because <laughs> I just want to know if there's one in there. <laughs> okay. makes sense. But we had, like, um, random mice in a house, and they didn't have pets. You can't do it in places that have pets because then the pets will eat it and die. And I just, like, I tried so many different ways to get rid of these stupid things and we couldn't we couldn't get rid of them and the pest company they like they were useless um so eventually i just bought this like brick it's just like a rectangle of peanut butter flavored poison and those mice just ate the crap out of that and there there's so many dead mice in a crawl space it was pretty disgusting uh. but uh but it worked. All right. And um, then we had flies. After that's how I found out about the fly, the fly traps. We did clean up the mice that we found, though. Those we didn't just leave to decompose oh, in the house. But.
0: <laughs> From these stories, I feel like it sounds like you're like uh, <laughs> you operate as like a landlord in like the slummiest parts of Pittsburgh or something. It's hilarious.
1: Man, pests—they come everywhere. They're it's- like. I don't know. And what's worst is um, mice and stuff, you can just kind of, like, you can call somebody to take care of that. Like, normal pests are pretty easy. Bugs, they're pretty easy to, like, take care of. You just call a company and it happens. But when you got weird animals, like possums or raccoons or whatever, there's, like, only a few vendors that actually, like, take care of that. And when they pull up, they're always the weirdest people. Like just (laughs) bizarre human beings. Joe Exotic. yeah, More or less. And uh, I don't know. And then if you ever get like bats though, because I've had bats before too, you actually have to call animal control because they come and they collect them and then test them for rabies to make sure that uh, Mm. you or your tenants don't
0: have... I've had bats in our house, you know, like growing up, which is, you know, always just a lot of panic and a tennis racket essentially is. Yep.
1: You have to, you have to capture them though. Like you can't just let them out. People let them out, but then so many people, not a ton, but people die every year because they get bit by a bat in their sleep and they don't even know it because bats have like needle like teeth. So you won't even feel their bite. And they
0: carry diseases we gotta look i gotta look up some bad stats now all right well i think we've enlightened everyone (laughs) boom dynamite
1: yeah all right well we have some more serious questions i believe today yeah uh,
0: what's the what's the first thing that we have uh our first question comes from dallas so let's jump over to that hi my name is uh, and i'm based in uh, dallas uh, texas um I have purchased uh, a few investment properties uh, um, before in cash, and now I'm planning to purchase my next property um, under finance. So my question is that, uh, what are the different uh, uh, financing options available? Uh, I know that I can purchase one house under conventional, um, but then it can be, I don't know if I can purchase more investment homes um under the conventional financing from my bank uh so i just need to know that what are the other financing options available thank you for your question thank you
1: yeah that makes sense i mean there's plenty of different financing options depending on what you're trying to do and how you're trying to own the property um he mentions conventional financing which when someone's getting started i think that 30-year fixed loan is the best the best option You just, you know, you can protect yourself. Um, You can talk to lawyers and accountants about the best way to like protect yourself and structure it. But what I've always done is just for the ones in my personal name, I get an umbrella insurance policy just to cover extra liability in case something happens. But for one or two houses, you can get that 30 year fixed loan, which is nice because that's like the lowest cost that you'll have on any type of loan product, really outside of a primary residence um, some people talk about like 15year loans or something but I always say if you want it to be a 15-year loan just pay extra and then if you have like a issue with cash flow in one month you can always fall back on the 30-year payment so you're not like stuck with that advanced payment um, he mentioned like a restriction the there's The whole rule of like four houses, like after four houses, it becomes more difficult underwriting wise for banks to give you conventional loans. I think that the actual max is like 10. I haven't looked at these regulations in a while though, so that might be different now. But it was like the Fannie and Freddie max was 10 loans. Um, And then most banks make it difficult after four. So you can get four pretty easy. And then after four, usually you have to go with alternative uh routes that's uh, we can touch on those in a minute but john do you have anything else to add to like the conventional financing route
0: yeah i think just to like be very explicit you know most people they get a mortgage they're going to live in the house uh when you do that you could put less money down um when you're going to do an investor loan uh with a conventional mortgage you're yeah, probably going to be putting 20 percent down might be less in some states could be more in other states um, and that's usually just for one single-family home so if you want to buy two single-family homes at once you know that's uh, gonna be two mortgages like Tony was saying Uh, you can do duplex or multifamily uh, up to four units in the conventional so if you know if I'm gonna move into uh, or purchase a you know something that is six units uh you know that would i believe falls under commercial there so it's no longer conventional real estate so uh that's just you know kind of super high level um basics there so
1: yeah and then yeah. so resi- residential conventional loans are going to be one to four units and like you said the down payment's usually at least 20% um for single family houses there are programs that go lower or there were pre covid crisis stuff. The banks kind of tightened up on a lot of those programs, but they'll likely come back. Um, And my reference to four is four properties. So usually it's pretty easy up to four total properties. But then after four total properties, it becomes more difficult with a lot of banks to get them to actually continue to finance. So you mentioned uh, commercial loans and that's correct if it's 5 units and above it's considered commercial multifamily so then you're going to get get into a commercial loan which for the average investor on a smaller deal is usually going to be anywhere between 15 and 20 years on the loan and then they'll the rates will adjust every 5 years usually so you'll start out at a certain interest rate after 5 years they'll reset the interest rate for the next 5 years and then they'll continue to do that for the life of the loan. When you start to get over a million dollar properties, there are some um there are some other programs uh with like the government backed loans, they're 30 years amortization schedule. Um but that's a little bit beyond kind of the sort of average investor. That's more like a million dollar plus apartment building type situation. Um, so that's kind of the basic, the other thing I think to point out is if the, you want, if you want to take title as an LLC, so not as an individual, you're going to have to go the commercial route. Usually there may be programs that are conventional that I don't really know of, but typically if you want it to be in an LLC, you have to buy, or you have to buy it with convent or commercial financing. You can only do, Conventional financing, if it's if the property is titled in your name, mm-hmm. um, people talk all the time about taking the property in your own name and then transferring it to an LLC and just continuing to pay the loan, which plenty of people have done with no main repercussions, but that could trigger that do on sale clause that people talk about all over the place, which just means that anytime the property changes to ownership, the bank could call the loan in in full. And in today's low interest environment, it's unlikely that that would happen. But the risk that I've heard about that is that if uh, interest rates go up, that's an opportunity for the bank to look at all their loans in their portfolio. And then if they want to be aggressive with it, they could say, hey, here's this 3.9% loan that we have out. Um, This person transferred it, we could hit them with the due on sale, and then they'll have to refi. So they could hit you with the do do on sale and then refi you into a commercial product or like just force that on you, um, which would be a bad situation. So I don't mess around with that. Plus you have to pay transfer taxes to transfer it to your LLC anyway. So I pretty much just decide how how I'm going to take ownership at the beginning and then just work within that framework. I don't plan on transferring it down the road or any funny business. It just makes life easier
0: yeah we're the same for all the same reasons. It's just a lot of headache too, honestly,
1: yeah, and house hacking, like if you're gonna be living in the investment, which is you know a lot of the people that I know listen um you have to take it in your own name anyway, and even if you're doing commercial financing, you're likely still be you're still gonna be a personal guarantor, so you're likely still going to be personally responsible for the loan it you have to get to a certain point where you're doing what they call non-recourse loans which are like you're no longer a personal guarantor and that's a whole different topic for another longer
0: conversation yeah we should probably talk about getting a homestead as well eventually um okay well i think just to kind of summarize what we discussed there uh you know you have conventional options tony recommends a 30-year if you want to pay it down faster, you can go for it, and if things get a little squirrely, you always have that breathing room. You can get up basically to four houses, four properties, I think is the specific language you used. Um, and that, that should be pretty seamless, and then you can go up to 10, but at four, it's going to get a little more difficult if you make it to four. Congratulations. so uh, we can cross. Over was that:
1: uh, Was that a callback joke you had there? It's going to get a little squirrely. Oh, I guess it was. Yeah,
0: there you go. Comedian, you didn't even know it. Yeah, I do what I can. All right, well, with that, let's jump over to Jonathan. He has some questions about refinancing.
1: Hi, this is Jonathan Guerrero in Redondo Beach, and I have a question around uh, when does it make sense to refi? Is there a good rule of thumb based on how much lower the offered refi percentage is? Or based off of uh, the forecasted time remaining to stay in the house, uh, the example I have is uh, if someone has a three point seven five, the thirty-year fix, and uh, they estimate that they'll probably stay in the house for about eight years, at what percentage um, point would it make sense? Would it make sense to uh, to refi? Thanks.
0: All right, Tony do you have a rule of thumb? I don't have a rule of thumb. I just have a calculator.
1: Yeah. I think you had some good resources. I think his question is more towards like a, sounds like it's more towards a primary residence. I mean, I can touch on how I look at this as far as an investment, but I know that you have some resources that you've used that are probably useful to talk about first.
0: Yeah. In general, uh, you know, I, I do think, um, the I don't I don't have a great like rule of thumb like oh you know if this plus this equals seven then do it, but there's some pretty simple calculators online where you can essentially plug in, you know what what's your outstanding loan balance, what's your current interest rate, what rate do you think you'll get, and you can look up what rate you think you might get. A lot of these are like lead generation websites will even tell you what kind of lead you might uh, what kind of rate you might get, and then you can basically put in, you know, how many years do you think you are going to stay in the property um, and it'll give you essentially a, a, like this is, you know, this is a rate that will break even for you or you can, um, or you, you know, you can get a, uh, you know, this, this is how much less your payment or more your payment will be each month. And then you kind of have to do a little bit of like, you know, the only thing that's not calculated for you essentially is what's the time value of money so you're gonna probably spend a couple thousand dollars doing the refinance today and then you're gonna save money over time so you can essentially figure out the math there but then you have to do a little bit like well what's a dollar today worth versus a dollar ten years from now so there's some time value money stuff involved but you know if you don't get if you don't need to get too fancy about that I would recommend just go go on Google I think nerd wallet and bank rate would be two places that have good calculators you can put in essentially your five or six assumptions about property value, the balance on your mortgage, your current rate, your future rate, um, you know. And if you need to get very specific, there is like an income tax shield uh, for your mortgage interest. So you can get kind of more sophisticated with this if you want, but the calculators will help you and it's it's going to take you like five, ten minutes tops. So uh, that that's what I would say. I'm sorry I don't have a better rule. but.
1: Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, as a homeowner, that makes sense. As an investor, I look at it kind of similar, like similar concept. but you mentioned time value of money, which is actually a good lead in because I look at like how much money am I saving, which is basically extra income every month. So I just look at how much money per year do I save and then divided by whatever it costs. I look at it as a return on investment. So it's like, that extra money is extra revenue generated. So I'm getting a certain return for spending that amount of money in closing costs, which can then help you compare it to like your return on investment for spending that money, improving a unit, investing in the stock market, wherever else you would put your money. So then that kind of takes into account a little bit of that like time value of money. But if you're not working with a revenue, you know, like a revenue generating building, that argument probably is not as valid it makes more sense just to look at like how long am I going to live at the house and use one of these calculators to see when the loans actually paid off
0: yeah I mean the the flip side would be you're basically saying I'm either going to invest this in the stock market or I'm going to put it towards my refinance and at the stock market yeah. I'm going to get whatever whatever your assumption is 6% and then you do your little IRR math and you either like what you see or you don't you know so it's like the yeah You you can do it almost exactly the same as a homeowner, just with the assumption that you're going to be investing that money instead. uh, For sure. Yeah. Well, that's basically all the questions we've got for today, Tony. So, just to take it top to bottom, we went through and we basically discussed different financing options. Uh, I think to keep it short, you can do four properties on a conventional. I highly recommend a 30-year and then commercial kind of has its own rules. Um, I don't think that applies to a ton of our listeners, but remind me again, what are the what's kind of the summary of the commercial?
1: The typical commercial loan is going to be 15 to 20 year uh, amortization schedule. So how long the loan? last for and how the payments are divided up and then it's going to be a five-year adjustable rate mortgage so you'll have your mortgage set for a five-year period at the beginning and then every five years that will adjust for the next five-year period so that's the basic terms on one and once you work with a bank consistently you can sometimes negotiate better terms if you work with like a local bank but those are the terms that you'll get kind of upfront with a 20 or 25 percent down payment
0: Makes sense, makes sense. So, and then we have, basically, so our refinance rules of thumb are: don't use a rule of thumb, use a calculator, and use the IRR function in Excel or XIRR if you're a date person, and uh, and go about it that way. So, uh, NerdWallet and Bankrate were the two websites I recommend. If you just Google them, you know, mortgage refinance break-even calculator, you'll get some pretty good, pretty good. Uh, tools right away
1: right and i would say the other thing too is like it depends how close to your payoff you are like just keep that in mind too i mean there's something psychologically beneficial to just not having debt so if you're like three years from paying off your loan you probably just mentally you'll be in a better place i think if you just Pay it off instead of refinancing your money out, and then, I don't know, having a new twenty-five or thirty-year mortgage or whatever.
0: But, yeah, that's uh, that's very Dave Ramsey of you. But yes, I understood yeah. and agreed. All right. Well, I think with that, um, is there anything we want to send them off with, Tony? Yeah, what's something you learned this week? Oh yeah, we have to do. What do we learn, man? Besides squirrels and how. straight up dangerous they are uh boy you're gonna flame me for this but what i learned and slash love is we basically repainted uh we buy candidly ugly houses and we paint them and put new floors in and we paint the ceiling flat white and we leave ceiling fans in but we paint them flat black with spray paint and it just looks really good. We just finished the spray, the ceiling fans uh, today, actually, and it just looks so sharp. And it's, I mean, it, man, I can't take. I did four fans today in like 20 minutes. It's just the easiest thing in the world. So that's what I learned: just spray paint your ceiling fans. Don't buy new ones, even though they're only 60 bucks. <laughs> I don't know if I sanction that advice, but yeah, I know you don't. But it, man, it works, and the tenants love them too. They're like, "Oh wow, that's
1: <laughs> I don't know." I guess that's a hack. Sure, man. And, uh, you like? How about you? <laughs> that's a level of saving money I haven't even gotten to,
0: dude. Spray, <laughs> spray paint enamel. Uh, do you it? at least get the like?
1: Do you at least get the nice spray paint, like the Rustoleum?
0: Uh, I had to use some rust today because I ran out of enamel, which is a dollar a can. <laughs> okay. So you even save money on the spray paint. I mean, I, yeah. Boom. I, I don't know if I'd say save okay. money, but I don't spend unnecessarily <laughs> on, on my ceiling fan paint. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nice. Um,
1: I'm trying to think of something that I learned here uh, this past week. I mean being stuck at home like we have been it's hard to have new lessons. I only left my house twice in the past week. Well, once ran, to go for
0: You ran like 100,000 miles or something, right?
1: Yeah, I ran, I ran a half marathon. Uh that was one one trip that I left uh, the house and the other one was to go for another run. I went for another run a few days after and put some mail in the post office. It was very eventful. It was a fantastic day. Um I learned that you should always make sure that you know what you're signing. It sounds silly, but I think I get into a habit of signing the same documents all the time. I have a property manager in-house who manages my apartments for me. And she always sends me the leases to sign. And I think... I don't remember actually telling her that a two-year lease was okay for one of the tenants, but I don't doubt that I actually said that. I was probably just not paying as much attention as I should have been. And then I was—we were looking at the tenants wanted another trash can at the property for, from the trash company, and I was like, "Well, we're refinancing that building, so that thirty-five dollar a month expense is actually worth." almost $10,000 in property value because by the cap rate, that extra expense reduces the value of the building, like almost 10 grand. So I told her like with this happening, the only way I want to add a trash can is if we increase everybody's rent accordingly. So then we were looking at who's up for renewal. And I saw this one person in our building is up for two years and I was like, why in the world do we have a two-year lease? Like, did I sign this? She said, yeah, you told me that it was fine. I was like, huh. I think I need to pay better attention. I don't fault her at all. I just, I mean, she, we probably had this conversation. Yeah. Because, and she probably said, are you serious, really? And then I probably said, yeah, whatever, just do it.
0: Well, why, would so, you, why are you reverse the two-year lease anyway? Because you just have less control <laughs> over the tenant placement and the rent? Stuff happens.
1: I mean, expenses go up, things change. Um, There's no benefit as the landlord to having a two, like very little benefit to having that term be longer because that just locks you in. You can always renew them at the end. I mean, there's nothing stopping them from renewing, but... If they're kind of like a if they become kind of like a crappy tenant too, but not in such a way that you can evict them, yeah, it keeps you from being able to just not renew their lease. Um, we just got a letter that said our water bill at the property will be doubling like over the next two years. So I can't account for that in her renewals. The property taxes are gonna be going up, so I can't account for that in her renewals. Hmm. So it's like having that year. Is kind of the max I want to do it, usually. And if I have a tenant who's a little, like, borderline on the criteria, like they just meet everything, sometimes I'll ask them to do a month-to-month lease first because then all I need to get rid of them if they fall behind is, like, 30-day notice. Mm-hmm. And then if after a few months of being okay, then I'll execute that year-long lease. Um, so that was one thing i i don't like two-year leases that's what i learned and also pay attention to what you're actually doing and just don't get complacent because i think that was my problem was that i got complacent and i just wasn't i probably said yes because i thought it wasn't a big deal and i don't know
0: and here we are talking about it here we are all right well that's that's a good lesson i have a buddy who just got his first tenant on a two-year lease, so <laughs> <laughs> it jokes on him, I guess.
1: It depends on the area, I guess. Like if it's hard to find tenants and stuff, then maybe it makes sense.
0: Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I think for the property manager, depending on their arrangement, it makes sense for them. So, uh, yeah. All right, Tony. Well, thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Appreciate everyone calling in. So please give us. Yeah. A-
1: let's uh, let's give them the number to call in um, here and I will say that to follow us if you can just follow us on Instagram at BeFreeRE I'm at 412agent um, we have our website now uh, John help me with it we're just BeFreeRE.com yeah BeFreeRE.com
0: yeah. and uh, our phone number is 412-212-8366 <laughs>
1: Yeah, so call us, leave your name, uh, where you're calling from, and just your question. We'll answer it on a future podcast. Additionally, if you can um, just subscribe and rate us, that would really help since this is new. Um, I saw that some people already subscribed, and I read them and was super happy to get them. Uh, future episodes, when we have time, I'm going to start record uh, just reading off some of the reviews just to so that everybody knows that I oh. do read them. <laughs> I'm excited to get them. All right. I like that idea. Boom. Bingo, bango. Let's send them off. All right. Let's send them off.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you want more, check us out at R E on Instagram. And let us know what you thought. Stay free.